I'm Riker, and this is Pilot. Dead on. <laughs> Welcome back to Pilots. We're your co-pilots, Riker and Shmee. Today, we're entering back into the universe of Star Trek to review Star Trek Discovery, which is in the middle of Season 3, as we're recording, on CBS All Access. But before we get into the meat of our episode, we finally have some hate mail in a new segment (laughs) (laughs) that we have titled Hate Mail. (laughs) It's very creative. (laughs) There we go. All right. This uh, email comes from uh, Tyler Mervin. Scott Tyler Mervin. Tyler Mervin. Okay. Uh Uh-huh. Subject, hate mail. Both words spelled incorrectly. (laughs) no judgment (laughs) Tyler writes hey fuck you guys you guys think you're so articulate and well versed in TV and movies well newsflash you are I am so sick of not being able to criticize or correct you because your assessments are so fair and accurate unfucking believable you guys should just quit doubting yourselves and realize how great this podcast is. This is the worst podcast ever made, in quotes, says no one ever. And, that, and what's with the aliases? Too embarrassed to take credit for your accomplishments? You've already mentioned your first names before, and you've both advertised the podcast on your personal Facebook accounts. So just go kill yourselves with laughter because you're constantly killing me with humor and entertainment. Pissed off, your friend, Anonymous. <laughs> that Anonymous. comes from Anonymous, Scott Tyler, <laughs> Mervin. <laughs> Mervin, Mervine, Mervin. Uh, Thank you, Scott Tyler. <laughs> that delighted me to receive that. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, what's funny is you, you uh, emailed that to me, and I saw you emailed me something. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I didn't read it because... I uh, hadn't. You hadn't taught me how to organize <laughs> <laughs> Outlook yet. <laughs> and um, uh, and then you texted me and said, "Just sent you an email. We got our first hate mail." And my stomach kind of dropped. And I thought, you know, I kept saying that. I don't really want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tyler Mervin, uh, thank you very much for the kind words. Actually, super thank you. That was really cool of you. We really appreciate it. Made our day. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know what's with the uh, aliases. So more on that is uh, I'd really <laughs> like to be able to say whatever the fuck I want. Um, and I really don't want it to be tied to my professional. You know, employers like to Google you um, <laughs> before they hire you. And, you know, if they don't like my opinions, fuck them. But they don't know who I am. So, <laughs> well, you know, they might be watching the wrong shows. That's very true. That's very true. And, you know, I, I have I still do point people to it. And I don't mind that my friends know who it is. But, you know, strangers, it'd be nice if they don't hunt me down, if they don't like my opinion and find my address and, 
you know, send me something more hateful. (laughs) Right. Actually hateful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when we started, when we started this, we just said, as we were, you know, back when our title was, our uh, title was Backdoor Pilots still. Oh yeah. That was, (laughs) that was a joke mostly because obviously that sounds incredibly dirty, even though it's a real thing. It sounds really dirty. Um, well, we, we had said, I don't, I think it was just off the cuff. You would ask me like, Hey, is it really important you to like take credit for this? I thought, I don't know. I thought having, having, uh, pseudonyms would have been fun. And you said, cool. I was thinking that too. And we weren't, I don't think really, we weren't planning on actually marketing it on our. Yeah. We were originally just going to blast it out into the ether and, you know, come of it what may, but you know, I put some work into it and I was like, Hey guys, check it out. And I've been telling enough people about it. Like, Hey, that's the thing I'm working on that people are like, Hey, you know, you really should just post it. Yeah. So we well, went ahead quarantine and did that. Too. Yeah. So we were all feeling, you know, a little off and and things were just different. You probably had just found out that you were getting furloughed at the time. Oh, and yeah. And you wanted to do this for a long time, mm-hmm. but during that period is when we developed it. So, yeah, I don't know. To answer your questions, Tyler, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bri- uh, Shmi has her answer. Wow. <laughs> <Whoops>. <laughs> I mean, like I said, it won't come up in a Google search, right? There you so. go. <laughs> yeah, Shmi has her answer. And from my point of view, I thought, I don't know. That sounds fun. Let's just do it. Yeah. No, I guess in practice it doesn't really make sense. But anyway, happy to do it still. Yeah, right. Well, and my sister calls me Shmi. That's where That's that comes right. from. And so, like, it's very natural to, for me to respond to the name Shmi. Yeah. Uh, it is kind of weird for me to call you Riker because I've never called you that. I put yeah, you in I've my never phone gone as by that. I say it like I don't ever say it. I, I <laughs> uh, only every episode. Okay, at only least at twice, the end of the episode. I'm Riker. <laughs> but at the beginning of the episode, we recorded the once, and it was like, ah, it was, that felt weird. But you know, it was like this is a nerdy thing we're doing, and and if I had to pick a favorite nerd character i thought well it would obviously be commander william t Riker of the starship enterprise yeah you were really excited about that and then we realized we could get in big trouble with copywriting so oh, i thought it was just too hard to say oh was that it I, that was, it, I was yeah. giving you credit well i never yeah i never committed to it long enough for it to matter <laughs> well you got through it so quickly too <laughs> you would just spout it out very quickly it's like oh well damn but i've been saying that since i since i was like uh seven years old and i oh. was commander william t Riker for halloween one year and uh in my in my next generation uniform and uh he had a beard and i didn't have a beard because it was seven you should have markered one in I did, yeah. Did you? I, yeah, I did. My mom. <laughs> that makes me so happy. Yeah, when I was a kid, my mom would give me her mascara, and I would draw a mustache on. One <laughs> year, I was a, uh, I was D'Artagnan, uh, musketeer, and uh, I, I did a different kind of mustache, so it looked very Spaniard, you know, it looked yeah. very Inigo Montoya. You kill my fire, prepare to die. <laughs> How did that smell, your mustache? <laughs> uh, like mascara. It's but very interesting smelling. Yeah, it, it kind of went like clay, right? Like it's really it's I don't know. odd. I can't relate it to anything, so that's why I wondered. <laughs> well, and it's right below my nose, too, so I could really smell it for oh, hours, yeah. right? So it was pretty familiar, actually. I could, I even, with, with my sinus surgeries I've had since <laughs> then, and I don't have much of a sense of smell, I could still remember what that was like. Yeah. It was kind of pleasant because I had a beard. Like, if I was smelling that smell, I had a beard. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, William T. Riker. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, speaking of nerdy shit, uh, Star Trek Discovery. So, preface, uh, we did this our second episode on Star Trek. 
The first was Star Trek Lower Decks. These are two very new Star Trek series since mm-hmm. they revamped and started making them again. So we're, we're not into the classics yet. Um, I, I suspect we will be so long as we're I'm, gonna run so out long of, I'm part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so in the last one, I, I approached it as a nerd speaking to nerds because I'm always in Star Trek nerd groups on Facebook and stuff like that. So I'm often, They're a very opinionated group, they I'm are told. <laughs> bitchy, yeah, mean, mean and bitchy. And everybody like has Star Trek the way that they love it and the way they remember it from their youth. And like everybody's right and everybody else is wrong. And some people just hate everything Star Trek. Like most Trekkies hate Star Trek. They hate like everything about it except for the original one that – Whatever their original. Okay, one was. I see. So they yeah. like their series of it, but yeah. not any of the others. And every time a new series comes out, everybody bitches and bitches and bitches for like three years before it finally finds its footing. So, so Star Trek Discovery season three, where I'm at right now, um, <laughs> <laughs> which uh, upon this recording is currently it's coming out there. Oh, I got one. When I go home, I'm gonna have a new episode to watch. Ooh. But uh, what day did those come out? Thursdays. Ah, Thursday yeah. TV is always the best Today's TV. The day. Right? Good point. Um, but it's, uh, I would say that season three has a pretty hard reboot, which is very interesting. So if you're a, if you're a Trekkie, it, this, it's, this is when it's now getting very interesting. So if you look at Discovery episode one, a lot of growing pains, a lot of unevenness and tone from where we end up later. So it's, you know, they're always kind of discovering their new identity because yeah. it's like they... Commission a new Star Trek show for, you know, like for business reasons. We have this this brand here. We're in the streaming wars nowadays, so we got to launch the CBS app. What's a franchise that we have? Historically speaking, Star Trek is so nerdy, it's very, very unapproachable for the common viewer. Uh, yeah, it's intimidating, I will yeah. say. Yeah. So I, I actually do kind of appreciate that I have you to ask the questions to oh, thank you. during the thing, because I'm like... I should probably know this, but what what is this? What yeah. is going on here? Well, even I, I think like, okay, here's a, like a new show that somebody could get into. Mm-hmm. And then I start watching. And I think, oh, this is Sarah. That's Spock's dad from. And they don't experience emotions. It's like, you know what? Just. <laughs> I think everyone knows what Vulcans are, though, and kind of their whole vibe. Like yeah. Spock is, you know, <laughs> True. a great ambassador for Star Trek as a whole, I think. <laughs> ambassador Spock. Well, <laughs> in, in the last 10 years, too, of the newer Star Trek movies, see, funny thing about the newer movies, like Paramount Pictures and, and uh, who's got the film division over the last 10 years since Viacom and CBS split. Viacom owns Paramount still. So TV Star Trek and movie Star Trek got... Split. Uh, fragmented, yeah. Weird. And uh, now they've remerged, and I think probably a big part of why they've remerged, Viacom and CBS, is so that they could get all of their properties back under one umbrella, so they could launch a bigger, more powerful app that has Nickelodeon on it, has Star Trek, has all these, you know, things that they've been working on, um, which makes a lot of sense. And I'm, you know, from a from a business point of view of what's going on in the streaming wars, I find it fascinating. To get to the point, um, <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> You know, you have the movies, the Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto movies of the last 10 years that they, you know, the whole goal was like, let's make Star Trek something that, that mainstream might see. And then you piss off all the fans because it feels like Star Trek, you know, is being made for stupid people who don't like science fiction, <laughs> <laughs> which makes the fans even more recalcitrant. So that's off in a different universe called the Kelvin timeline. And this is the prime universe. So we come back to the prime universe 10 years before Kirk and we got... Uh, 
new characters and a whole new thing right at the beginning of the Klingon War, which is something, you know, fabled in the history books of Star Trek uh, that we haven't seen before. So with that background uh, being there, uh, I... You know, after our our last episode where I was maybe too nerdy and talked to the fans too directly, (laughs) we're going to approach this more of a nerd bringing in a non-nerd to, you know, see how you responded to it. Well, it's funny because I was really sold on Lower Decks. I just didn't know all the trivia. Like, you know, I didn't know the names of anyone. And it's especially I knew them at one point and just haven't been around that universe in so long you know my friend alicia was you know the person who most recently had been keeping me you know apprised of what's going on Mm -hmm. in the star trek universe but yeah it's been several years since she and i have watched a couple episodes together so um i i think i didn't complete this one thought process which is now that we're in universe mode you know you got the marvel universe that that is the standard for what um franchise universes can be now the extended universe Absolutely. and now everything is everything is primary it's like the the tv shows are on various you know i think they're on various different platforms i know they're on netflix um they got split because disney started buying out everything okay um so the netflix originals are still on netflix anything else is being moved to disney as far right. as i know um oh and then they have their marvel platform oh is there a marvel no dc universe is what i was thinking okay yeah i'm not a comic book guy well in dc a lot of dc and maybe not all of it but um i know a lot of dc is on the cw as well so oh okay like the flash i believe and cw smallville like the clearly like there was that one and there was some other one um yeah is there a batman one Gotham. Okay, Gotham's yeah. really good though. So like at some point we need to do Gotham. Good thinking. Well, I've been saying since Gotham came out I should watch Gotham. And then as usual when it happens with CW shows, it's like, oh, I'm not going to watch that. Anytime on I the told CW. someone I was watching Gotham, they're like, Ugh, you watch stuff on the CW. And it's like, not everything of theirs is Gossip Girl or 90210, which I love both of those, but not everything's made for teenagers it's on it. It's not all crap. It's not all crap. Yeah. But it is kind of their brand, which is why I always said that would be a bad idea to make your brand crap. Because <laughs> <laughs> that clearly looks very good, and I still don't want to watch it. Um, I kind of do. Uh, okay, so now we are making, now they're embracing the universe. So yeah. it used to be, this is too nerdy. It goes too deep. Mm-hmm. This is totally unapproachable for people. And now streaming being what it is, it's like, okay, we have we have 50 years worth of content. We have seven seasons of Next Generation, seven seasons of Voyager, seven seasons of Deep Space Nine, three seasons of the original series, four seasons of Enterprise. Did you memorize that or you just know off the top of your head? Homie, come on. <laughs> Homie, come on. <laughs> Woof. Uh, Spock, please. So, so you have all that stuff and now they're saying, you know what? Let's embrace it and let's make new stuff and get people to want to come into this universe. So that being said, uh, Star Trek for the first time on television, I think looks truly cinematic, really beautiful, oh, yeah. very impressive. Uh, and how did you find it? What, what was your, uh, what's your initial synopsis of it? Uh, without it being like intentionally funny the way Lower Decks was, it was still really comical. Like mm-hmm. I, I can see why nerds really get into it. Sorry, I don't identify as a non-nerd. Star Trek nerds. I get why Trekkies really dig it. Yeah. Um. Do I think I could get into Star Trek as a whole? Eh, maybe. This is definitely a good entry point, though, I think. It's right. very approachable. I enjoyed it. They had strong female leads, which you know that that's kind of a big deal for me. 
Uh, Both the captain and commander were... And very deliberate Mm -hmm. with the showrunner. So this... I'm going to try not to get too in the weeds with some of this, but showrunner used to work on Voyager, Brandon Fuller, and a bunch of other things since. Are you familiar with his name from Nerd Things That You Like? Say the name again. Brandon Fuller. Nope. Sounds like Uh, a generic name to me. I don't know the guy. I don't want to offend him. He got fired really early on, like before (laughs) the show even started. They switched showrunners. Uh, They switched showrunners. They switched showrunners again. So it was a very, very, you know, turbulent Mm -hmm. entry to this show coming out. Um, so I think watching it the first time for me was like, Hey, that was weird. Like it was yeah. pretty, like I, like I appreciated the, the nautical feeling of it. You know, it was very much, we're on the ship. Mm-hmm. We're in the stand. It, it, it like pulled on some classic sci- Star Trek elements. You know, it's about being on the bridge. There's a lot of drama that happens on the bridge. Uh, and I think it was trying to make us feel comfortable and familiar, but then the Klingons look different. So... Okay, yeah, I didn't feel like they, like I, I, before when I'd asked you, hey, remind me what this, I don't know, race is, yeah. um, and you said Klingon, and I was like, okay, and then you, I saw this, and I was like, that's not how I remembered it right. at all, like, is the costuming just different, is this a different, you know, like a different yeah. variation? Well, the, their makeup was like full face masks in oh, this, yeah. which is funny, because I don't think it was an improvement. Because it looked because it was so cumbersome for the actors, like you're mm-hmm. watching them struggle through those teeth, you're watching them struggle to emote through their f- big rubber heads. Oh, absolutely. Nobody has hair. They used to have hair. So oh, this really? is okay. yeah. This is I was on some Star Trek nerd group the other day, and they they talked about like Klingons shouldn't look like this in this era. And I was like, oh my god, we've been arguing about what Klingons look like for like since 1979, <laughs> literally. Yeah, because I remember my specific remember I remembered Worf. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, they don't look like they look a lot more menacing than I remember Worf being. Totally. And I think they did a good job like creating a, an alien that looked really very alien. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I had mixed feelings about it, but it's I don't know. It's like true to the to the Klingon species that every you know couple decades their look changes. And, and Trekkies are so nerdy that in Star Trek Enterprise, they have a they have an episode that explains how they used to not have head ridges in yeah. the 1960s show and how they did later in the 1979 movie and in the everything that followed. Mm-hmm. So then they explained in the canon of Star Trek, whatever that nerd word means, canon. They explained in canon why they why the makeup changed from the 60s. So then they changed it again after already like retconning that. It's like, oh god, here we go again. Now we're back to arguing what Klingon foreheads are supposed to look like. <laughs> no kidding. Alrighty, that's some uh, nerd service that I have to pay. Sure, of course. So, but we are we are here to judge a pilot. So the pilot of this, uh, when we see it now on CBS All Access, it's two separate episodes. Yeah, it's a two-parter. Yeah, when it originally came out, though, it played like a, you know, one hour and a half long uh, TV movie. Yeah, the first one being called The Vulcan Hello. And did you catch the name of the second one? Battle at the Binary Stars. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Just had it memorized. The Vulcan Hello is such <laughs> a great pilot name, though. Like, it's good. like, oh, well, hello. <laughs> oh, don't mind if I do. I think I will. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> genre. Uh, as a pilot, does this successfully establish the genre? Well, uh, on our previous... Star Trek episode, we kind of had already mentioned that Star Trek is its own genre. So um, I agree with this. Leading with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was clear that it was Star Trek and mm. that that would continue to be what they were doing. Um, 
And, you know, they definitely clarified multiple times. Starfleet is a an exploratory group. It's not militaristic. So they at least kind of reinforced that that's the intent of it. Um, it does seem a bit different than your typical Star Trek, though, because it seems like, A, it's not going to be as episodic. It seems mm-hmm. like there's going to be more overarching story. Mm-hmm. Um, and B, there's some violence. It seems like there's like an actual conflict here. Um, not to say that the other ones don't have any violence, but for that to be kind of what I considered to be what they're going... I mean, it looks like this is a Klingon war. Yeah. So it was interesting to see that maybe there's a bigger overarching plot. You nailed it. Now, uh, did you nail it because it was clearly established? I believe so, yeah. Okay, I agree. I'm glad to hear you say that because because you... Well, first of all, the first thing I put on my genre card here, as you and all of our viewers can see, (laughs) uh, well, it's so bright. Um, Oh, it is, It's neon green. Uh, (laughs) Star Trek. That's the genre. Star (laughs) Trek. You really can't get past that. Yeah, absolutely. You had said it last time, and I'm like, good. I'm glad I don't have to, like, step around and find another way to say the genre is Star Trek. Totally. Because, you know. Uh, well, it is it's like it Sinatra like became his own category of music, you know? It's yeah. like the spacefaring, nautical, explorers, swashbuckling, you know, vibe that's in here. Yeah. It's like the language of storytelling that – the category that it's in, it's like they Star Trek kind of invented the language for it. You know, the captain in the center chair. Like you see it over and over again if it's not Star Trek. it. It's it kind of inspired the whole genre. Absolutely. Like. Uh, so much so that you could say, eh, it's Star Trek. Definitely. Uh, even if it were a knockoff. Uh, what you said, I really appreciate what you said. It's a, it's a different, you know, it's not the antiseptic, here's the whole crew working mm-hmm. together as a big family. In fact, we didn't even see the Discovery in this episode. Yeah, they we were introduced to another ship that uh, is totaled by yeah. the end yeah. of it. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. Captain's dead by the end of it. The captain that we spent, like the that uh, our main character, Michael Burnham, played by Sonequa Martin-Green, who came off uh, The Walking Dead to be on this show. Oh, I thought Commander okay. Michael... Okay, Michael Burnham is the one you're saying is... Yes. Okay. Sorry. What did you hear? What did I say? Oh, for some reason, I thought you were saying the captain is was played by this woman. Oh, I'm I sorry. Like, no, I, I made a... I was trying to make the connection that the captain... And then I... That's, uh, that's why you got confused, because I okay. didn't finish the sentence. My bad. Let me let you finish. Main then. character. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. I, I, I fumbled it. Main character is uh, the person I just said, Michael, Michael Burnham, Burnham, commander, first officer. The the captain's usually the star of the show. In this case, she's clearly the star of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a. She's got some trauma in her. Wait a second. We're getting into characters. We are genre. Uh, you'd give it a, a pass. pass, it sounds like? Absolutely. Okay, so would I. Characters. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was kind of hoping, so I kind of wanted to approach this differently, if you oh, don't great. mind. No, I made a list of characters, and then I have sp- separate character cards, so I kind of want to review with you Please. like what our main characters are that we'll review. Because mm-hmm. I've got Commander Michael Burnham, um, Captain Philippa... Uh, Giorgio. Giorgio, thank you. And Saru. Mm-hmm. Um... Man, I'm going to butcher Saru the name. Saru is an alien, so he only has one name, Saru. <laughs> um, so, T. Kuvma? T. Kuvma. T. Kuvma. Um, Vok? Uh, yeah, Vok or Vok. Vok, Who's okay. the albino Klingon? The torchbearer? Yes. Sarek? Sarek, mm-hmm. 
And I, I wrote down Connor, but I crossed him off because he died. So. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, Captain Fulipa did too, but we got her for both episodes, so I kind of felt like, eh. She was a dominating presence. Mm-hmm, he was a character that seemed like he would probably turn into something, mm-hmm. which is probably where the surprise of, oh, he dead. Yeah. Pretty dramatically. Like, oh. I thought that was a pretty dramatic death. I thought that was pretty Yeah, cool. absolutely. I was like, wait, did that just happen? Did he just die? <laughs> yeah, did they just explode and take him out with it? <laughs> yeah, okay. Awesome. I have one more on here. Okay. Admiral Asshole. Because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get his name and I didn't care. Oh, uh, I did look it up. It is Brett Anderson. Yeah, I don't care. All right. Well, Admiral <laughs> Asshole it is. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Okay. Wait, does he die in this one, though? Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, do you remember again. the wedge ship hit his ship and mm-hmm. carved it open and exploded? That's what I thought. I was writing notes through a lot of this because it's new to me, so... I was worried I missed something major. I appreciate you taking it seriously. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. That's how we get such uh, good fans like Tyler. (laughs) Mervin. (laughs) Mervin. (laughs) Yeah, so those are the characters actually that I have too. Excellent. Those are the ones that I I bothered with. Cool. Then uh, I I feel comfortable with proceeding. Okay. Uh, Michael Burnham. She has some trauma in her past. Mm-hmm. She human. Her parents were killed by Klingons in a raid uh, at a learning center on Vulcan, that sounded like, where they had a little human Vulcan little, you know. Academy sort of thing? Yeah, a little pen pal sort of get-together kind of deal. Pen pal get-together. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so her parents were murdered. murdered. And it seems that she was raised by Sarek. Yes. yes, that's that's what I got as well. I wrote down that he is her father, although not biological. Sarek, of course, is Spock's dad. Uh, you say, of course. I mean, aside from being Vulcan, I wouldn't have, I guess, made that leap. All right. So if you <laughs> know the guy. Of course, to the Star Trek people. <laughs> yeah, if you know the guy, you know who he is. Yeah. Making um, Michael like a half-sister, which isn't clearly established here. Yeah. Very controversial among the nerds. Which isn't because really fair retconned. because because he had Cybok also, who was his half brother, who we don't meet until you know the Final Frontier in 1989. <laughs> Never heard of him before or since. Anyway, so he's pretty private, clearly, about his family. That makes sense. Yeah, they seem in an unemotional bunch. So that they would be now, wouldn't they? <laughs> Tell you what, not sentimental. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Philippa Giorgio who Sarah had dropped off Michael seven years before when she's very culturally Vulcan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Philippa kind of takes her under her wing to to show her, it seemed like a life among humans. You know, yeah. a, she said that she had experienced quite a bit of loss also, but uh, never lost hope. Yeah. Uh, so that she was pretty much handpicked to be Michael's kind of guardian, but mentor. Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering, I kind of missed what was happening with that pass-off, or mm-hmm. that handoff, I guess, her her moving from, you know, the Vulcan to the humans. Yeah. Um, the one I did kind of copy-pasted from <laughs> the transcripts, because Trekkies are very thorough and very everything thorough. can be found. I really do appreciate that. <laughs> um, so Giorgio says, is this ship not up to your standards? And Burnham goes, I have no standards when it comes to this ship. It was always my intention to join the Vulcan Expeditionary Group. And Giorgio says, sometimes the universe allows for a making of unexpected memories. And Burnham goes, emotional platitudes are not what I was hoping for, which made me laugh so hard. <laughs> and, you know, Giorgio says, well, you, uh, you've really been away from humans a long time. 
so it did kind of seem like yeah she was here to you know <laughs> get Dead, her adapted to, yeah deadpan comedians don't usually do it for me but when it's coming from a vulcan which i think is why truckies are so mean because you know they derive their wit and their humor from like like star trek's kind of historically always been intellectuals in space yeah and vulcans especially they'll have these just these just mean just pointed teardowns just <laughs> these effortless just like decapitations with their words absolutely and they're yeah. very funny they <laughs> are it was really funny <laughs> um okay who else are we looking at uh so it, you know the universe is pretty much revolving around burnham mm-hmm. absolutely uh everybody here that i have on my list is kind of how it affects burnham um, absolutely with the expansion of admiral asshole who didn't get his own you know comment card and takuvma who's you know more the plot um, yeah you have saru who's uh alien mm-hmm. very rubber-headed um, interesting Kelpian. look. Yeah, he's a Kelpian. Never met a Kelpian before. Yeah. He said that there's a food chain on Earth, mm-hmm. or what, you know, Michael's used to a food chain, but uh, he comes from a planet where it's strictly predator and prey. Yeah. And he's a biologically determined to sense the coming of death, and he senses it coming now. Yeah. Being prey, he's very skittish, he's very risk averse. There's sort of a playful rivalry between the two because they're the two. Uh, ranking officers mm-hmm. uh, to Captain Giorgio. Uh, it's, you know, kind of actually seems a little bit disrespectful in a way, but uh, they seem to enjoy each other, I feel like. Yeah. Like they I actually mean, do respect each other. It's playful banter, and I appreciate that they don't take each other too seriously. Like, yeah. It seems like a, a nice challenge mm-hmm. that that's allowed. There's moments where it seems like, oh, that feels a little personal. <laughs> Like when Saru's saying, well, uh, I, you know, she always likes to shoot down my ideas. It's like, all right, well, get a grip, buddy. Uh, <laughs> no, and I then she said she actually agrees with you. Oh, well. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah, no, it was cute. And I really liked, um, I can't remember exactly what the context was for it, but Georgia was like, Saru's Kelpian. He thinks everything's malicious. Right. Yeah. She, what it, yeah. They're, they, they're <laughs> it was just like they the... really knew each other. So I feel like it was supposed to inform who the characters mm-hmm. were without... Getting too much back and forth. Totally. And establishes where the relationships are at. So these three mm-hmm. in particular really... Tight work, knit. Yeah, tight knit, work closely together, have a lot of fun together um, while they're working and while, you know, stuff gets serious sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Admiral Asshole, Ambassador Sarek. I don't know. I think we covered... I think Admiral Asshole, that says it all. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> definitely. He's... Pro- He's kind of a better than you kind of guy. Like, you know, hold your position. We're going to show up and save the day. Yeah. And it's like, uh, we should probably be running. This is Klingon. They're pretty aggressive, it seems. We haven't seen them in 100 years, they yeah. say, over 100 years, which would have been, which would mean that since Star Trek Enterprise, mm-hmm. uh, there have been no sightings. There's been a couple skirmishes uh, over the years. In, yeah, they during didn't a time believe that they'd War. seen that she'd seen him, which was kind of ridiculous. Like she had gone out and um, explored like an unidentified object in space, and then had discovered a Klingon, like a warrior there. And you know, she comes back injured from her attack, mm-hmm. um, and they did not believe her. They're like, "Oh, you must be delusional." And it's like, 
Choose your commander. How be a Klingon? dare you? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, I don't know. It just sounded weird that they wouldn't take her at her word. Well, since the genre of this is Star Trek, I think it's fair to a degree to score it as Star Trek genre. Sure. Um, so within the Star Trek genre, ordinarily, by the end of the episode, you're getting introduced to the whole crew and they mm-hmm. do a mission together and you start to see people's, you know offer things of value and the captain makes a big speech and um that didn't happen here so i appreciated that yeah so i appreciated being right in the action instead cool well we had three characters that seem really integral Mm -hmm. uh, and then Sarek, who maybe is less integral oh and then you have takuvma let's talk about him real quick sure he's he's fancying himself a messiah Mm -hmm. prophet kind of um a uh, visionary who's going to bring back together the 24 great Klingon houses, who's going to unify them. He says, we have been complacent and like not relevant since um, the fu- the battle on... I've got the full quote if you want. Yes, the, what, what they lead in with, and it's, of course, on in Klingon... It says Klingonese. I didn't realize it was Klingonese. I thought it was Klingon. There's what more to it than that. <laughs> I, I can tell you, but go ahead. <laughs> um, so this is actually what we lead in on. He says, they are coming. Atom by atom, they will coil around us and take all that we are. There is one way to confront this threat, by reuniting the 24 warring houses of our own empire. We have forgotten the unforgettable. The last to unify, the, uh, the last to unify our tribes, is it Kalis? Kalis. Kalis. Of course, he's I was going to get that wrong. He's the Klingon god. Okay. He's the emperor, old dead emperor from... Thousands of years ago or whatever. I appreciate that because they reference him a lot. And I was like, oh, I don't I don't know. Um, together under one creed, remain Klingon, which was a constant phrase they used. And it made me giggle remain because, <laughs> you know, can you change into something that's not Klingon? Okay, so remain Klingon seems to be the thing you're going to do. <laughs> but whatever. <laughs> um, anyways, that is why we light our beacon, sorry, beacon this day to assemble our people to lock arms against those whose fatal greeting is... We come in peace. Ah. And that made me laugh so hard because it was like, yeah, they always do say that. And they always somehow fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what this did well or what this character really has going for him is to call into question because the Federation, you know, Starfleet is the exploratory, basically military branch Mm -hmm. of the Federation. Okay. Um, and then the Federation is the government that unites the 300, 3,000, whatever it is, um, alien, not alien planets necessarily, but planets of the Federation, which sure. is Earth and, well, it was Earth and Andoria and Vulcan and uh, the Tellarites were part of the, there might be another one. I don't want to embarrass myself by <laughs> missing a species <laughs> <laughs> that signed the original charter of the Federation, but... <laughs> so if if you're not part of the federation and said hey hey we don't want your va- we have our values we have our way of life we don't want your thing we get it it's utopian it's wonderful mm-hmm. but then we're gonna have to be you guys and, and we're not you guys we're klingons and we want to remain klingon um i thought that was pretty interesting and it's something that i think star trek has has should have told many stories on but I don't think they have. And I think maybe the reason why is because in the sort of original DNA of Star Trek is that it's, there's, you know, the, in the Gene Roddenberry universe, there's 
no conflict. Like there's no greed. There's no war. There's mm-hmm. no racism. There's no sexism. Like these things have all been overcome since World War Three, which was a nuclear war. Um, <laughs> which humans were mostly wiped out. Is that how yeah, this it went comes badly. to be? <laughs> it went very badly. And then uh, Zephram Cochran invented the warp drive, and then we discovered the Vulcans. And Interesting. What? Well, that's what you got to catch up on, I guess. Oh, of course, yeah. <laughs> so it's maybe the reason Star Trek hasn't dealt with this very much in the past is because the Federation has been unimpeachable for the most part. Like, like they really do go around the galaxy saving the galaxy and, and uh, bringing in new member worlds and, and, you know, bringing solutions to famine and poverty and, and war and et cetera, et cetera. So to have on the other side of that, somebody say this is a threat to our way of life uh, and this we come in peace bullshit is bullshit. Like that's mm-hmm. that's just their angle. They get in here and sow their seeds to destroy our our individuality, which is a quote. I might that might have ended up being a uh, what's the word called when it's not a quote? A paraphrase. I might have paraphrased that. Um, but he makes a comment about come in peace. They've come to destroy our individuality. That is what he says. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, I think it's a big idea for Star Trek to tackle, and you know, coming into this during you know the last couple of years of Game of Thrones, I think having everybody speak Klingon. They have these very this a very big elaborate uh, set that they t- that took place on this Klingon sarcophagus ship. It was like an ancient ship with with uh, it's a big tomb of, which is pretty weird, uh, you know, sci-fi stuff. Yeah, but it was, pretty. Uh, it was beautiful, and and I kind of, it kind of gave you the sense of of mythology that maybe has been absent in the past, where this guy's kind of a mystic, right? He's he's saying there's 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 a prophecy here, you know, I'm the one you will follow me because I will reunite us and I will bring glory back to the empire. So there's some big ideas there that they're introducing. And then they kill Takufma, <laughs> who yeah. would seem to be, he's going to be the heavy for the season. And he's not all that. You know, it's like you kind of understand his point of view. Yeah, well, and it was interesting. I mean, Burnham obviously had an emotional moment killing him because he had just killed her. Yeah, yeah had just killed the captain. Um, but just a scene prior to that, she says, Takuvma has anointed himself the next Klingon messiah. If you kill him, you make him a martyr. Yeah. Someone can fight a mar- or someone they can fight for endlessly. Um, that might even be what he wants. But if you capture him, you make him a symbol of defeat, of shame. Mm-hmm. And if you take him as a prisoner of war, well, you give the Federation leverage to sue for peace. Um, and, you know, she immediately destroys that because she has an emotional moment, which is... You know, kind of ironic because she was raised by Vulcans, but... <laughs> but was uh, murdered... Klingons murdered her parents. Klingons so murdered her parents. there's this sort of undercurrent of... Because Michael becomes a mutineer in this episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, she mutinies, which I think was a little bit half-baked because they keep kind of blaming her for starting this conflict, which she didn't do. She didn't have the ability to do that, but she, she uh, incapacitates the captain... Uh, to go give a Vulcan hello, which was Sarek's sort of loose advice. Hey, we learned with our uh, historic uh, skirmishes with Klingons, Vulcans don't like to learn the same lesson twice. We met a Klingon. We tried to engage in a dialogue. They destroyed the ship. Mm -hmm. Every time we saw a Klingon after that, we fired first. We gave them a Vulcan hello. I appreciate you giving meaning to that. Uh, (laughs) 
uh, gave them a Vulcan hello, and uh, our aggression won their respect, mm -hmm. and their respect brought peace. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense. That's how I would have taken it as well. So when she was like, hey, we've got a fire on them, and they're like, no, we're peacemakers. No, no. This is Starfleet. Like, um... Okay, then you language. guys clearly don't, yeah, you guys clearly don't understand the cultures you're trying to encounter yep. and deal with here. Like, you're trying to do it your way, which, again, is the <laughs> the Klingon problem. Like, they yeah. don't like that. No kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. I thought her, her the aggressiveness mm -hmm. of her decision that we yeah. need, like, I will, this is going to be a big deal. I'm going to mutiny. It's like, well, that was a pretty big... That was crazy. Yeah, she did the Vulcan nerve pinch or nerve whatever pinch, you said. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, and just knocks the the captain out, which is crazy to me. But it part of it doesn't follow logically to me why that happened, why she mm -hmm. would have you know gone the way she went, other than she was hyper-emotional about it because mm -hmm. her parents were murdered by Klingons. Yeah. Uh, and... She is an emotional human being raised by unemotional Vulcans. And maybe she had a lapse in logic, uh, <laughs> which caused her to go overboard on this. I kind of struggle with that. I kind of struggle with, okay, I'm Starfleet, uh, you know, all the, all the good talk about what it means to be Starfleet. This seemed like a pretty major thing to just go full ham with your mutiny plan. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, I can see it being, here's the flip side of that. I, I like to play devil's advocate, and I think I maybe justify more than there is room to justify. But being raised by Vulcans and being an emotional person, like I know in the real world that if you suppress your emotions, it does not mean that you resolve them. You right. no, you haven't addressed them at all, and therefore you bottle never move up. past them. Yeah, exactly. So you bottle them up, and now you know you're triggered. And it's like, well, I've never dealt with these emotions at all, mm. or dealt with these emotions at all. So, you know, now that they're not resolved and they're imminent, there's yeah. a threat to me. That's you know what killed my parents. I could see that triggering. I'm having some PTSD flashbacks. Absolutely, and, and she nobody did ever let me talk about it because mm -hmm. they had the. Uh, Flashback to when she was a kid in her little learning pod. Yeah. Uh, and the computer's purposely giving her triggering questions, trying to elicit an emotional response. Mm -hmm. uh, and then she says, please stop. Like, please don't. Like, don't make me do this. Where she has to relive uh, the death of the her trauma, parents, the yeah. massacre of her parents. And then uh, Sarek's walking around up at the top of the pod. Mm-hmm. And she says, maybe I need to learn Vulcan so I can answer the questions faster. He says, ah, your human tongue isn't the problem. It's your human heart. <laughs> Which is like, you know, nailed you it. might have meant that in a nice way, but it sort of felt like a nail through the heart. <laughs> I mean. That's some pretty harsh, you know, advice for a kid. I didn't even kid. feel like it was tough love, though. I felt like it was, or like, I didn't feel like it was harsh. I felt okay. like it was just apt. I mean, and, you know, he's. Vulcan. I imagine they're pretty direct and yeah, that it's totally. no harm intended. It's not a dig at you. It's just, you know, hey, you're not addressing the actual problem here. It's that you're being emotional. So having an awareness that it's an emotional problem and not a <laughs> linguistic fair. one is That's pretty fair. 
Vulcans are bigots, though. So what he said was, the problem isn't your human tongue. The problem is your human heart. Oh. And I guess my point is that he he, he views her emotions and her response as a problem, quotey oh. fingers. So since she was a child, she's been told, oh, your emotional response to this is a result of your human weakness and your inability to suspend your emotions in favor of logic. And maybe that's the breakdown, because she says somewhere at the end of this, you know, is it was it emotion that made me do this? Was it logic that made me do this? I don't know, but I thought I was doing the right thing because I was trying to save you. I was trying to save all of you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I really liked that. That's the... I, I guess if I'm going to accept that, that she took that big of a leap, mm-hmm. that's why. That makes sense. And I guess I can accept... I mean, it's TV, right? Like, Yeah. I, like, if you could explain it and lay it out as such, they didn't directly say, she's behaving this way because of this. But they pretty much gave you everything you needed to know to say yeah. this is unresolved. Absolutely. All right. Well, that was helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess what I was leading in for, since this is an unconventional Star Trek show, and I sorry, referenced uh, Game of Thrones at some point, I think they were trying to make a, sh- you know, the, a show, a Star Trek show that looked truly alien for the first time, that looked truly... Like intergalactic in scope. So you're looking at some. It, we start after we meet Takuma at first on his ship. Then we meet uh, Giorgio and Burnham mm-hmm. on this desert planet where they're trying to bring water to the critters that live there. Uh, yeah, really weird looking, ugly critters, which is very exciting as a as a Trekkie to see this as a TV show. Be like, oh man, they're not just guys with rubber things on their head. Like, it's really cool that, that we're able to do this on a big budget now. Yeah. And I think, you know, with the landscape of television changing at this time and you want it to look big, you want it to look international, you want it to look like you're truly going to see alien worlds. So... While we're on that planet really quick, mm-hmm. I really loved that Burnham was like, oh, you, we've run into your footprints. We've walked in a circle and... Um, oh, gosh, what's her name? Georgia. Georgia goes no not a circle exactly and then you zoom out as you know their ship is picking them up and it's the star trek symbol yeah it's the um delta shield delta Delta, shield okay i'm like i know there's a word for it but uh um i don't know what that word is the star trek symbol exactly the badge the insignia insignia Mm. do you like that word and sign uh So then we're on characters still, but Mm -hmm. considering this is a a different kind, they're clearly making a different Star Trek show in a different generation. Yeah. You know, so much so that they don't have the Klingon speak English at all. It's all subtitles. It's Klingons. And I mean, they're purists, right? This group of Klingons are purists. So you wouldn't, the idea that we would be speaking English would just be for us as an audience. Mm -hmm. I think there's a certain part that we sort of can accept Klingons, in theory, have always been speaking Klingon, mm-hmm. but they jump in and out of Klingon in English for our sake. Yeah. And I get it's a whole language and all that. It might be fun to show it off. Uh, I don't know if they benefited from that, but I think they were trying to be, you know, I think... They're uh, showing that they're purists, absolutely. Yeah. That they're kind of, um, they, f- they have like a supremacy to them. Like they feel like their race is better than any other. And moreover, I think the producers wanted everything to feel very authentic, mm-hmm. right? They wanted to, this other world to feel kind of otherworldly. Absolutely. Um, so I keep I keep halfway mentioning Game of Thrones, and I'm thinking of what are the guys that um, 
I can't remember anybody's name anymore. I mean, I know who everybody is, but they were so hard to remember and they're so easy to forget. <laughs> uh, Khaleesi, what's her name? Daenerys. Daenerys, yeah. What's her uh, horde of um, warriors that like she gets sold into slavery to at the first episode? And she is gets married Dothraki? to the Dothraki. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Woohoo! Dothraki. They're kind of Klingon-y to me and they're always yeah. speaking Dothraki. And it's like, oh, before Dothraki was a made-up language, Klingon was. And I felt like there was sort of an element of, all right, to be very authentic here, we need the Klingons to feel like they are Klingons full time, not people pretending to be Klingons. Yeah. That seems fair. Yeah. And I think other than the Klingon speaking being cumbersome, I think it was probably rewarded for, I think the production values, I think, I think it comes off that, wow, this show feels really big compared to like Star Trek of the past. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Cool. All right. So Ding, as there's really three main characters and some uh, tertiary characters at this point in time, do you feel that the pilot established the characters clearly enough? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like they really spent time on fleshing out the characters, even the ones that they planned to immediately kill off. Like, I felt like they were all pretty important and I wrote them down, you know, like I, I was excited about them and still am for the ones who survive. <laughs> right. I agree. I think, uh, which is interesting because as the season continues, like mm -hmm. you, you have some of the same people on, on the Discovery. Yeah. The redhead who is the pilot. Um, so you have people that are main characters here mm -hmm. that you don't realize are main characters because they really weren't here. And yeah. for the next two seasons that you don't even realize are main characters. But watching it from just the point of view of the pilot, you can't tell that. You have actually three strong leads. Mm -hmm. They kill one of their strongest leads. Absolutely. Uh, Michelle, I assume it's pronounced Yo, Michelle Yo. I always pronounce it Yao because I, you know, learn how to say it by reading it. Yeah. Uh, which is Giorgio. Um, mm -hmm. Saru, you know, got some interesting, unique things about him. And, uh, and to kill Giorgio after the painstaking setup that we've just had the last two episodes, establishing her as a highly decorated Federation captain. Yeah. That was pretty bold. It was, absolutely. I feel like that happens a lot, though. Like, they kill off the mentor. Like, that just seems to be a pretty common trope. I mean, not a Star Trek trope, per se, but, you know. I, I did not see her... You're right, A totally. conflict between she and um, Burnham serving the plot beyond this. So, it mm. made sense to me when it happened. Well, then she runs after her body, too, and Saru says, I can't beam her up. I don't have a life sign. Like, I don't know where she is. I can't get her. She's like, I'm not coming back without the body. And reaches out as she beams away. Uh, theoretically, had she grabbed her, she would have beamed off with her. Maybe, yeah. Well. I would I would assume. I, don't, <laughs> I am not a Trekkie. I don't know. You know, I don't want to fight tooth and nail with somebody on that one. I don't know the physics of Star Trek, so. Uh, no, I'm saying <laughs> based on the established law okay she would have beamed away but then realistically i don't know which episode we're talking about so you know uh, maybe i'm sure they could have fudged that if they wanted to but she reaches out for almost gets her theoretically they would have beamed off together mm -hmm. and then she comes back onto the ship it's like ooh, that did not end on a great note. no like you you're she's gonna feel like she got her mentor killed for the rest of her life absolutely i don't you know i have mixed feelings on who's responsible for it but it seems kind of like Admiral Asshole. He told them to hold their position. Yeah. She said, give him a Vulcan hello. Yeah. One photon torpedo right up the butt. <laughs> and I'd taken care of that problem real quick-like. I 
I think so, yeah. <laughs> so you score the characters as a successful introduction? Absolutely. I agree, uh, which brings us to plot. Uh, does this pilot give you an adequate expectation of what to expect of the overarching plot throughout the rest of the season or show? I would say at least this season, yeah. I feel like we're we're up against the Klingon War, mm-hmm. um, which is actually kind of exciting. Yeah. I am excited to have something that's not episodic. Totally. Like that's hu- you know, that's huge for me. Like, Well, that's Star a, Trek that's is peak TV, and it's like, oh, cool. So a reason to come back? Like, I'm going to see... Yeah. I'm just going to see you guys do another, you know, wave some fancy tech around on Meet a Different Alien every episode. Like, we got a, <laughs> a big story that you're telling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in this case, the end of the episode is her being... Convicted. Burnham, yeah. Basically being a war criminal. You're a mutineer. You did not look good in this conflict. Mm -hmm. She has a really interesting speech at the end, I think. She said, I was trying to uh, save lives. uh, And I can't remember how she put it. She says, from my youth on Vulcan, I was raised to believe that service was my purpose. And I carried that conviction to Starfleet. Um, I dreamed of the day I would command my own vessel and further the noble objectives of this great institution. That dream is over. The ship I know is in ruins. My crew gone. My captain, my friend, dead. I wanted to protect them from war, from the enemy. And now we are at war, and I am the enemy. Powerful stuff. Yeah. I, it was all very moving. <laughs> yeah, no, that was big. Yeah. Um, and if we didn't mention that... Uh, you know, in the just in the plot of this episode, when we get introduced to these characters, uh, Giorgio says, it's, "I think it's probably t- you've been with me for seven years. I think it's time to talk about your own command." Mm-hmm. So she's she's being, um, what's the word? Like nurtured. She's being groomed mm-hmm. for leadership for her own um, command, sure. uh, and that's all very encouraging. Then she gets her captain killed and goes to prison. Well, and before <laughs> our captain's killed, she says that you know i was wrong about you i thought you were ready for this and you're not you are not what i thought you're being emotional homicidal homicidal yeah (laughs) mutineer (laughs) (laughs) not a good first officer at all and kind of a lame officer all around um doesn't bode well no not at all so uh to to end on the note that we end on I don't know. We didn't talk that much about the specifics of this plot. Do we need to uh, in the within the episode itself? Um, I mean, we can get the overarching. I'm happy to kind of do that for sure. I wrote down the bigger, you know, movements of the plot. Yeah. Well, let me maybe... You want to give us an synopsis? Let me try it and, yeah. and then fill in any gaps you see. Um, after the, the beginning of the conflict is there's a communication relay that's down, uh, I would say destroyed. I can't... I, in theory, it was damaged. And yeah, there, disrupted there, in some it. way. Disrupted in some way. Giant hole in the side of it. Yeah, we'll just throw some spit on it. It'll be back to normal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just uh, shine a light over it uh, as we do in Star Trek and it'll be fine. <laughs> so uh, they go check out this communication relay. It's either been hit by an asteroid uh, and it was just an incidental you know, breakage or it's been sabotaged. And if so, by who? Mm-hmm. Um, there's this distortion they see out in the highly radioactive, you know... 
we're at the binary stars, so it's like a, this asteroid belt, I feel like, is what we're looking at. Yeah. Um, that's and, exact. And there's some distortion that's out there saying, what is that thing? And there's a <laughs> lot of good um, lip service to, we're like you mentioned, we're Starfleet, we're explorers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Saru says, because he's so risk-averse, he says, yeah, um, I think we should stay away from that. Like, maybe we just shoot it and make it blow up and get away from it. That sounds like <laughs> not a great idea. And Burnham says, we see something we don't understand immediately um, and immediately cast a judgment. And I thought, oh, that was such a very trekky thing to yeah. say. Like, here's, here's some alien concept. Some yeah. alien concern is in front of us. And uh, we're explorers. We should be taking an interest in this. You yeah. don't understand it and, and uh, you don't like it. Well, that's, you know, antithetical to... Our, our cause, our mission. And she had sh- such wonder in her eyes when she was looking at it, too. It was it was really sweet. I well, liked it. Because we're introduced to her at first as the model Starfleet officer. Yeah. Um, much to y'all's chagrin. <laughs> uh, I, I wrote down under my quotes, genetic unspooling. I like that idea. <laughs> she says, she says, throw a jetpack on me. Let me at him. I want to go check that thing out. Yeah. Which, you know, uh, plot device... Uh, radiation we can't get out there by any other means and having her free balling it out there with her jetpack and her spacesuit uh goes out there it's just got to be under 19 minutes otherwise the radiation is going to kill you and, and the genetic unspooling will your genes will your dna will come apart like noodles that's uh, gross and very <laughs> visceral so she goes over there she's checking it out she's she's in wonder of it it's very trekky you know, let's look at this with awe and wonder. She sits down on it to check it out. It's, uh, she sees some, oh, then she's attacked by the torchbearer. Yeah. Who's a clan, and he looks like he's in prehistoric armor, mm-hmm. you know, spacesuit. Yeah. Uh, she says, hey, I'm Michael Burnham, I come in peace. And boom, he attacks her. <laughs> she launches her, her robo-booster. Uh, go, go, gadget, boosters, thrusters, and she thrusts forward. He gets stabbed with his own batleth. It's called a batleth. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> and um, she gets knocked unconscious and sent out adrift. They save her. She's in the uh, genetic reconstitution machine getting re-spooled. She comes out and says, yo, 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 everybody, can I get your attention, please? There's some Klingons over there. Shit's about to get salty. Everybody says, you're cray. That's not a thing. You're, you're delusional. <laughs> you're delusional. Stop being stupid. You fresh. You get back in your pod and go get re-spooled. Yeah. Um, I don't know why it would be so unrealistic that she'd still have memory of what happened. They say, all right, fine. Maybe there's something to it. Let's go to Red Alert. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ship, I think, what do they do? They target it to get its attention. Yeah. Target weapon systems. It's coming back to life. Over on the ship, the Klingons are kind of having their meeting among the 24 great houses. Sure. Um, Federation calls for help. Klingons call for help. 24 Klingon ships show up. And they're going, oh, shoot. Those are the great houses, 24. Quinky <laughs> dink. I don't think so. Maybe. Federation shows up. Boom. We're in an intergalactic conflict. Yeah. That's about it. 
she spends some time on the brig. Uh, the brig gets blown up. That's how we lose Connor, poor fella. I really appreciate her arguing with, like, logicking out so with the tricky. navigation so system. Or not navigation, like the, the controls. Computer. The computer, yeah. Because she's like, hey, you need to release me from, you know, my cell because I'm going to die. Yeah. Like, so for the preservation of my life. And so she's arguing with it. Like, oh, you know, you like the computer comes back with like, oh, you know. That wouldn't necessarily mean you live, basically. And so she's saying, okay, well, you know, if I don't, if I stay here in eight minutes, I'll die. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So then I should probably get to that door. Yeah. No, because if you go through this, you'll die within 15 seconds. Okay. So then you should probably open the door for me, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what the computer says. Oh, yeah. Like working. Correct. <laughs> It was good. (laughs) Yeah, it was clever. And I think uh, after, this is to be nerdy again for a second. Mm -hmm. After 10 years (laughs) of of Star Trek, not really really having the language of Star Trek anymore. Mm -hmm. Because like, oh, let's not make it too nerdy. Let's just make it action adventure. Let's make it, you know, Chris Pine playing grab ass. Um, (laughs) To hear her matching wits, you know, as a human raised a Vulcan with the computer. Yeah. And outsmarting the computer, outlogicking the computer. Oh, it was so good. Was a really fun, very trekky moment. And it was uh, when she says, because she's asking what are the ethical protocols for a prisoner in mm-hmm. the brig during an attack like this? She's saying, well, you're going to be in the brig. You're a prisoner. She goes, yeah, yeah, but I'm going to die. So anyway, you said all that part. Yeah. But uh, she... <laughs> She says, but I'm going to die. And, and the computer says, speculation. Uh, That's yeah. the part you were thinking of. Speculation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, she's super going to die. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like if the, if the force field comes down in eight minutes, which it will, like the ship had been blown to bits. So mm-hmm. that was the only thing keeping her alive. Anyway, that was, and I think to your point, one of the, the witty moments of, is Star Trek funny? Like, is it supposed to be funny? Because that's kind of funny. Yeah, it was, it made, it, I don't know. I don't know if, I, I think it was funny. It has a singular wit. It does, and I appreciate that. So it's kind of an, an intelligent humor mm-hmm. rather than a you know slapstick right. or dumb humor. Right. Um. And all right, so yeah, the battle commences. I would say most of the most of the drama in this episode is a in the standoff between the two ships. Is someone going to fire? Like, what are we doing here? Everybody's yeah. maintaining their position. It's very threatening. It's very ominous. Turns into a major intergalactic event um, that seems to spark by the end of the episode. I think they established pretty clearly that this just sparked the Klingon War. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, they go to take him prisoner, like we already discussed. And Philip is dead. Takuvim is dead. Boom. Uh, she is on trial and pleads guilty. Yeah. Uh, she's going to prison for life. And that's where they leave us. So plot uh, for over the overarching season. Great. I agree. Uh, And since it brings us to the hook, did you feel hooked? Did you feel compelled to come back for more? In a way that I had never really felt with Star Trek. I mean, aside from Lower Decks, don't get me wrong. Um, But yeah, no, absolutely. The fact that there will be an overarching plot was kind of a novel concept for me uh, coming to Star Trek, honestly. So knowing that, you know, there's a Klingon war we can look forward to, that we're not just going around trying to make friends with other cultures by telling them that they should assimilate to ours, Mm. (laughs) (laughs) which is like kind of the thing that puts me off of Star Trek a little bit. Like, I get that it's not all like that, but it's 
Uh, that's kind of the stereotype anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, um, a lot of Star Trek over a lot of years, so a lot of years of that's very true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I guess the other piece was that, you know, Michael Burnham's a, obviously our main character. I very seriously doubt that she's going to prison for life. So how are we getting her out of there? Like, what's what's going to happen that makes her the captain of, presumably the captain of the Discovery? And maybe not captain, but I would assume in some leadership position. How do we? How does she stay part of the show? Absolutely. How does she stay part of the? How does she stay part of the conflict? Absolutely. Um, I mean, the, I wrote at the end of this. You know, Burnham, star of the show, is going to Federation prison for life. I underlined for life, so I remembered to say it just like that. For life. <laughs> captain is dead. Now what? Yeah. I would say this is probably in the top. Of Star Trek pilots. I think this was really because it, it felt cinematic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever nerds want to say about why it, you know, wasn't canon enough. <laughs> I think it worked treating it as a standalone thing, though. Treat it as a standalone pilot. I thought this was really a fine piece of sci-fi and a fine piece of TV. I agree. And a fine piece of Star Trek. I mean, it starts to recapture some of the feeling and language of Star Trek. The, the sort of submarine, the nautical sort of... Um, claustrophobia in the okay. standoff yeah. with the Klingons I thought was one of my favorite things about Star Trek when when it's really at its most dramatic. Yeah. So I thought there were some really dramatic pieces here and it's setting up for a, a major conflict that like I don't know how we're going to get back to it. Um, and I think to leave it with such a big question mark to me that's the hook. So, Absolutely. All right. I don't even know what the discovery is. I don't know who the captain of the show is. I don't know what to expect anymore. Yeah. And that intrigues me. So the lack of expectations that have come out of this. Which usually you really fault something for. But this one, I mean, it was... Other than when it's artistically done, right? That's true. So this feels like it was very deliberate to say, let's leave the audience in a state of sort of befuddlement mm-hmm. um, to want to come back for more and see how we're going to, you know, re re... Uh, collect our pieces and carry the show on because the next episode it's like uh here's the pilot let's meet some new let's reestablish characters yeah yeah, and setting and everything so it's an interesting choice Mm -hmm. yeah i think it pays off i certainly in the pilot i think it pays off definitely all right so were you adequately hooked to give the hook a pass yeah absolutely cool so we have here a successful pilot we do oh nice that was good work (laughs) <laughs> I agree. One thing, I have one last quote that I haven't marked off my list. Um, and I mainly just kind of, I don't know, it, it made me chuckle. Um, and it was when Giorgio was saying, so we'll get, get a lock on her, booster signal, um, talking about Burnham. Mm-hmm. And he says, Captain, there is no signal. And she goes, you better get me a signal. <laughs> and it was funny because, you know, in that context, boost obviously was assuming a multiplier. And he's like, you can't multiply zero. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> it gets you nothing, man. <laughs> and in a, in a very Kirkian response, she says, yeah, well, I think you're going to figure it out. <laughs> like, you're going to need to, so figure that out. But, you know, Yeah, it was cute. <laughs> I didn't realize this as a kid. One of the great things about Star Trek, and probably one of the things I always loved about Star Trek but just didn't know it that I can appreciate now, is it's all a bunch of capable, well-qualified people Mm -hmm. that all, you know, have a role to play. They're all experts in their field, and they're all uniquely great at what they do. And to watch the, which this one's not so much an ensemble where, you know, you have the team coming together, but... 
There's one point some guy says, like, doing some math to figure it out. I'm running calculations now to fix it. Just one of the, you know, bridge crew yeah. extras. And, uh, and I thought, that's great. Like, the idea that, hey, we have, like, a ship of 250 people, however many people, and everybody's highly qualified to save your life when shit gets shitty. Uh, yeah. I like that. Just, I like that idea of, of the world. But uh, I like it. I like it in Star Trek. I guess I've just always liked it. I've liked that classically you have the engineer and the doctor and you go to every, everywhere you go, everybody's like best in their field. And it just seems impossible. And then you watch it and it's like, oh, that, but then they're showing it. I mean, it's fiction, but Mm -hmm. you know, it it feels real and the idea is really nice. I feel like the only of my experience with Star Trek, which I will say is very limited, of course, um, Deanna Troy was the only one where I felt like that maybe wasn't totally the case. Like they just didn't use her enough, which made her seem not as capable as she could have been. Yeah. That was just my big complaint. Cause you know, that was one of your main, main female characters in the early Star Trek. And I was just like, Hmm, we really didn't do a whole lot with her. And, and she- when she does have her, you know, uh, empath moments, it's like, this this isn't very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> well, the empath, that's a pretty significant skill set. So it is. She probably should have been a master diplomat. Um, One would think. Well, they, right. They probably could have done more with that, <laughs> I think. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I agree that it's really cool seeing a lot of people I, who are the best at their field and, or, you know. I think she's on record, too. Uh, Marina Sirtis, the yeah. actor, actress. I think she's pretty much on record with, look... Love my time on the show. Love the character. She was just in Picard. Mm-hmm. She's never been better. They've never given her better material Ooh, than in that's Star cool. Trek Picard. Oh yeah, when we review Picard, hopefully you'll get hooked on that one. I want to check it out. But there's a <laughs> there's a particular episode that she guest stars in with Jonathan Frakes, Riker, and she's never been better. Like as an actress, I've never seen her in finer form. Hmm. The character has never had better material. She was so good. Is she in the pilot of Picard? No, sorry. Uh, You're going to have to keep watching. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see how that pilot goes. (laughs) I think that one's pretty watchable. I I have a feeling, especially since I I have watched a bit of Next Gen. None of the good parts, of course, but... (laughs) Just season one and two. (laughs) I mean, there's some good data in there, and I really enjoy data, so... Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Gene Roddenberry's son, Rod refers to Data, Spock, um, sort of an archetype of character yeah. as the Roddenberry character. Oh, I like that. Yeah, and that's, that's my the, character. Right, always. totally. And it's the because it's the specialty character. It's kind of the audience surrogate, actually, mm-hmm. that is there to to explore humanity. Yeah. There to he's the lens that we could look at humanity through. Yeah. And they experience it the first time and they're actively critiquing it's probably the not word observing yeah and you know trying to understand mm-hmm. uh and that was trying to give it context yeah, yeah. and that was a data character who's just so classic like, oh, i love data such classic trekkie just so yeah good. brent spiner too so good man you know what he'd be so fun to have as a guest on the show <laughs> <laughs> it's true that's true and i'm positive he's listening <laughs> <laughs> just sent me a text to my apple watch <laughs> All right, while we're nerding out in space, let's talk about, we have a big, you have a big announcement that you probably want to share with the world. I, it's not necessarily a happy one, though. I'm very apprehensive oh, about it. Oh, I don't know any of the details. Okay, so the Firefly fan base has been waiting forever for a, you know, for a revival of 
Firefly. And it is, first of all, not a revival. It is a reboot. So first of all, it kind of gets you on a, we're not guaranteed any of the same actors. I'm hoping at least for cameos, but it, they made it sound like it's going to keep Mal Reynolds as captain, but not have Nathan Fillion as Mal Reynolds. And there's not any real information on it yet. Um, you know, it being December 17th, as we record that there hasn't been anything that's come out yet that says who's going to be involved. They're not even certain that Whedon will be involved, uh, which is kind of eh, like uh, Whedon really has a grasp of these characters and his Whedon show. Yeah, his continue like he continued the series in comic form, like graphic novels, and I didn't know that. Oh yeah, I just I've I've been working my way through them, and he nails the characters. You know what I mean? So like as I'm reading it, I can hear the you characters feel saying the it. Voice. Yeah, their their vocabulary and everything. And so they're first of all, it's Disney who's picking it up. They bought it from Fox, so it's going to likely get Disneyfied. First of all, uh, second of all, there's a big, there's a character, Inara. Um, you will hopefully learn about Inara when we do our pilot of Firefly. Which um, one's Inara? Uh, she is the one who is a companion, but, you know, people are seeing her as a prostitute, which there is a difference. A companion is trained and it's more like a geisha type Escort. Role. Like a geisha. She's trained in the art of entertainment mm -hmm. and massage and like she's, very well respected like that's a you have to be certified to do this you know there are prostitutes in this world she is not a prostitute she is an elevated you know when they when they retire they are in high esteem and are in you know more it's an sophisticated honorable it is position to hold absolutely okay. so i didn't know that um, and Disney, of course, just sees her as a whore. Um, so they need to figure out what to do either it sounds like they're just going to get rid of her character which is like Okay. <laughs> like that she's a very empowering character for females. So uh, that's it's disappointing mm -hmm. to say the least. So uh, I think everyone who is a Firefly fan who has been waiting for any continuation of the Firefly universe is very apprehensive about this. And we're all waiting for Disney to fuck it up. Um, I will say I have some criteria for myself to think that it's maybe going to be an okay thing. First of all, if you're going to have the original crew members not the cast if you're going to have the original crew you have to keep the original cast i'm okay with keeping you know doing a totally new crew in the same universe mm -hmm. and having cameos of the past people because i think that would be a great medley and a great way to move on while still acknowledging the past is you know a thing um and it sounds like they're getting rid of the pg-13 aspects because again it's disney um, and going much more PG with it. And it, the PG-13 aspects were the parts that were fun. Right. <laughs> like, it was what made Plus, it Plus, that's not that radical, PG-13. It's not. Like, like, it was a broadcast TV show 20 mm -hmm. years ago. Like Absolutely. It's, it's made for, for the, uh, like, the TV censors are okay with it. Yeah. Well, anytime they curse, I really like, they curse in Mandarin. Um, oh, yeah. With the exception of the word Goram, which is obviously goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, you know, it has... Jane Cobb is the kind of rednecky character, I would say. Um, and he has a lot of, like, he's kind of dumb, and he has a lot of sexual remarks that are, you know, like, his sex jokes are hilarious, mm -hmm. and they're obviously going to remove that and any other sexual innuendos. And it just, when you start removing all of those things, is it still Firefly? Like, should we even be making this is kind of what I'm wondering. What's the point? Yeah, what's the point? I mean, you're not. Are you making it for the fans that are it there? It seems or? like not. Um, and I don't know if it's going to be made for kids or whatnot. So that's kind of my apprehensive news. Yeah. Um, I am 
somewhat hopeful for it. Somewhat. So you're about to get Star Trekked. <laughs> so this is what Trekkies have dealt with forever, where it's like, hey, we're going to make some more. Also, fuck you guys. Yeah. Uh, you're the reason that this is, you know, detestable to mm-hmm. the rest of the world. It's like, we're the ones watching it. We're the ones who are paying for it. Like, like, why do you not have our interests in mind at all for what we want to see? And then they, for years, like decades, like keep releasing stuff that we don't want. It's like, we don't want that. Yeah. We don't want that. We don't want that. We want to get back to the universe that we know. We want to keep exploring it. We don't want to reestablish it. Yeah. Like, we already love it. So give us more of what we love. Yeah. So I I honestly could see it best being, um, so kind of the basic setting for Firefly is that there was an alliance that unified the planets that happened after Earth. Earth got all used up, and so they, you know, explored other places, terraformed, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so the alliance was trying to keep everyone under one rule, and there was a rebellion against that, the independence. Um, and Mal Reynolds, the captain of the Firefly, is an, a war vet who fought on the side of the independence. They lost. So, you know, he's just trying to stay outside of the rule of the government. He just wants to work outside it's of it. He, yeah, he just wants to, st- you know, he doesn't want to be in their business. He doesn't want them in his. So he's just going to places where they no longer, you know, they, they haven't gained control yet. Oh, so he's not technically an outlaw. Uh, he's, kind of, he's kind of a vigilante. Uh, he just tries not to have any direct association. Okay. He, he does a lot of his... Income comes from robbing people. So, like, you know, he's a bit of an outlaw, but um, he just he does not want to be under their thumb. And so I feel like the and, and, you know, through the course of Firefly, spoilers for you and anyone who else hasn't watched Firefly, you know, they do not resolve the alliance. You know, they don't overthrow the alliance by the end of it. So I think a reboot would be really cool if you had, you know, the new independence, which they're kind of hinting at in the comics, the new independence you know, coming up and overthrowing the alliance. I, I, it's the only thing I can see being, you know, really the thing. And then maybe they go out to Mal, Mal Reynolds and say, hey, you know, we could use your help. Here's your cameo. I don't know. That's you know what, though? my hope for yeah, it. I think Nathan Fillion's been well, it's been well documented. He loves a character. Plus that guy, that guy just likes to work. Yeah. You know, I feel like, not to say he'll take any gig. He gets good gigs because he's mm-hmm. good. But he's he doesn't seem... Um, well, he doesn't seem bitchy. <laughs> oh, that's a much better, yeah, I like yeah, that. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he's uh, too good for anything. And mm. it's like, and he's such a funny guy. He's such a fun guy. Like, he's he totally is. got the charm and charisma. I mean, this is a Star Trek episode that we're reviewing today, so I don't mean to keep trekking out, but you know me. So, uh... Hey, this is the place. He's very Shatnerian. <laughs> you know, he's got all that charm and charisma. Yeah. And he's just goofy, too, at the same yeah. time. So there's layers of love you could have for the guy. Absolutely. And I feel like it's well documented that he's been always been committed to coming back to play oh, this any time. So... Mm-hmm. When you have that, why like why wouldn't you like why do you make the new Star Wars trilogy and and then make you know Leia and Luke and and Han Solo? Why do you make them such such background characters? Mm-hmm. It's like you know yeah, there's more people that are going to be in this world. There's going to be new stars and all that. But yeah. do they need to be relegated to background characters? Do they need to be cameos? I think yeah. I think if the if the modern nature of nerdness nerdum Mm-hmm. Has taught us anything. It's that, like we, like we want to, we want to play in the these universes that we love. Yeah. Like we want more of uh, the original people. Like we want to, we want new things. We want I to agree. do new things with it. But, but you know, it's not like, like, 
it's not like he comes in looking like some old man all of a sudden. It's like, well, where would he be 20 years later? Like, it's still relevant to us. It's still interesting. I think I just don't want them to compromise his character to disney him because he is not a Disney character. You know what I mean? And so I'm okay with a reboot where we have a crew that's a bit more Disney, especially if it's a younger crew, then it makes sense that they're a little bit more Disney. But, you know, for Nathan Fillion to play down to a, you know, Mal Reynolds to be Disney-fied, it's like... He puts his foot in the mouth, his mouth all the time. He yeah. calls Anara a whore, much to her, you know, she doesn't, she is not happy with that. Calls her a whore all the time when he's, you know, in a foul mood. So, you know, he is not a Disney character. And I, I can see them, you know, finding a way to put him in without, you know, making it on Disney um, and, and, you know, still being able to do some fan service. But if he gets a lot of screen time and they Disneyfy him, I, it, it would be troubling. You're for breaking me. my heart. Yeah, I'm. It was supposed to be I'm really upset good news. By I woke everything up. you're saying. <laughs> I woke up to the news and I was like, "Oh my god, reboot!" Oh, um, Disney. one of these. Yeah. You know, I don't break my heart, Disney. I don't necessarily feel like. I mean, Disney produces some really high quality things. Oh, the quality, sure. Yeah, I mean, I thought the new Star Wars was all terrible, but I didn't feel like it was Disneyfied. Um, right, but that never had anything where you had foul language or you know more it was adult fair. concepts. It was all, you know, it's been at the Disney uh, at Disneyland forever. Mm-hmm. So I guess there's been a something between. It's been a little romance between George Lucas and Disney for a long time. Yeah. Um, that's a good point, but I don't know. I, I I don't see why Disney would be incapable of. I get that they their brand isn't R-rated movies, but. If this is off-brand, then don't do it. That's what I'm thinking. That's So I I have a hard time thinking that they're going to be true to the source material, which to me then says, okay, so you're trying to cash in on an existing name rather than making something kind of like it that would otherwise serve just fine. Is Firefly on Disney Plus? Do you know? Um, I don't know. Um, It's currently on Hulu, but Hulu and Disney are... ABC? Married and, you know... So you can bundle the two. I don't know what the actual ownership is there, but. Uh, I think Disney owns Hulu. Do they? Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Maybe they don't. Well, mm, I don't know. We were talking about the ABC connection recently, and ABC is owned by Disney. Yeah, it's very possible. So it's all connected. However, it's it's connected. It's all in the family. Yeah. Um, But it also sounds like they've, this is what I said about Star Trek, where it takes three years for it to get good mm-hmm. <laughs> that bummer yeah well it's like it, it's made by it's like it's made in a boardroom yeah it's like okay well let's do star trek uh what are we gonna need for it to be successful we have these laundry lists of items that need to happen so mm-hmm. it's like it's like made by committee and then they hand it over to the creatives it feels like yeah. so it's like they make the decision for this property to exist because it's a viable property before mm-hmm. they have a story to tell necessarily yeah. and this sounds like the same kind of thing mm-hmm. let's make the show by committee we got a viable property here let's retool it let's do something with yeah. it but it also sounds like they're early enough in the process that it could be anything it could be yeah and so i would like hmm. them to do something wonderful with it but I'm not going to sing its praises until it proves it's worthwhile. So I hope for your sake that they decide to make it good. Yeah, I really hope (laughs) that they don't completely disregard the fans in this. Like, I did post it on my Facebook as soon as I read the news, and um, nearly everyone that responded had said, oh, they better not fuck it up. 
sounds like they're going to fuck it up, though. I don't see how you're going to take away the main, you know, all of the things that make it good and still have it end up being a decent end product. Like, I just, I don't see how it's going to happen. But, you know, I won't, I guess, begrudge them um, this until they've actually fucked it up. You know, you can keep the pressure on them. Oh, I certainly will. No, they're they're really responsive to fan complaints. Yeah. And they've clearly gone out of their way to show respect for the source material. I mean, they've gone far out of their way. There's some little nuggets where it's like, wow, guys, that was really that was really thoughtful for you to have done that. Um, Which kind of gives you the sense that either it's being made by nerds for nerds who are trying to prove, hey, we love it, too. Mm -hmm. Or all right. Sorry, nerds, but we've nerded up. We're doing our research, and we're making sure to uh, include the things that show reverence to the universe that we're in. So, I don't know. And the brown coats, which is, you know, the Firefly base. Mm -hmm. um, The brown coats are a very loud bunch. So, I I imagine, you know, if we make enough of a ruckus that you're right, that we will be heard. And hopefully, hopefully Disney doesn't just, you know, turn up their noses at us. So, right. With that said, do you uh, consent to doing Firefly next week? Oh, I'm looking forward to doing Firefly Excellent. next week. I'm so excited. After having rewatched the pilot, I'm really stoked about it. Well, more on that next week yeah. when we review the pilot of Firefly. Woo-hoo. Thanks for coming. As always, send your hate mail to pilotsthepodcast <laughs> at gmail.com Perfect. and you can find all of our old episodes and all of our platforms that you might enjoy us on yeah. at pilotsthepodcast.com. That's pilotsthepodcast.com. You can also catch our schedule if you want to see your homework or upcoming episodes, independent milestones, as Riker prefers it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also have a link for you to contact us if, for whatever reason, you forgot that email address. <laughs> 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 Not you, our viewers. <laughs> Until next time, whatever that means, I'm Riker. And I'm Shri. And this is Pilot.